0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to uh, our second message in this series on the Bible unabridged. And we lo- we began last week by looking at how the Scripture itself um, is from God; He's the source, and how He worked through human authors to communicate His Word to us. And last week, as we began looking, we're you know we're looking at the Bible itself, in the in the you know like how how do we get this. Uh, why should we line up our lives with what it says? How do we understand it? We're trying to answer some of the questions about the Bible itself. And so, um, after we looked at just what the Scripture teaches about itself, that it, it's, the source is God, came to us through human authors. Last week we talked about how important it is to draw your own conclusion on the reliability of the Bible. Um, what I mean by that is, you need to, you need to land somewhere on this issue of how does the Bible fit into life. Uh, there's lots of thoughts and theories about the Bible. challenge last week was draw your, draw your conclusion. Don't just question the Bible for your whole life and then and, and just be the type of person that is critical about it and never land. And so um, aim to understand what the Bible says. Aim to understand how it came together. Study. Uh, dig into it. But do that, and then draw conclusions, so that you can begin to um, build a life um, that's supported by this. Uh, this week, what we're going to do is talk about interpreting the Bible. I'm going to answer some different questions, and the technical word that's used to describe um, scripture interpretation is the word hermeneutics. And it's not a word that we use often here, and in fact, we're not going to use it again um, in this in this service. But when we learn to read the scripture, it's important to not just read it, but then to begin to interpret it. And what, what does it mean? Um, interpreting it correctly, because if you can interpret the scripture correctly, then it becomes this pipeline of truth. It can be a source of real truth that begins to open up to us. And the big question today is this. It's, it's how do you get the right message out of this ancient book? Okay. How, how do you get the right message out of this ancient book? that's that's the issue of scripture interpretation learning proper interpretation. We want to know that the intended message from from God to his people is is what we're really wrestling with and understanding. there's a lot of problems with interpretation if if we handle it incorrectly, then we can land on the wrong conclusions with the Bible. We can build our lives on the wrong things and so um, but how do you get the right message out of this book? Because it's, you know, this was a different time, okay? came from a d- different time in a different cultural setting. There's a different people group, uh, different, you know, geography. Uh, sociologically, there was differences. And then all, also there was this um, language issue. So there's, it was written in different language than, than you and I are, you know, Uh, probably familiar with. And so if if we're going to interpret correctly the Bible, then we need to close some of those gaps of this different people, different time, different languages. We need to close those different gaps if we're going to really understand it. Our goal when we interpret Scripture is to understand what did it mean to them. That's the first initial goal when you open up the Bible. As far as really seeking to to, to hear from God, oftentimes we think about us first. But if you want to Interpret Scripture accurately. Then the first question, or really the first goal, is what did it mean to them? So what we're trying to do when we interpret Scripture is we're trying to recreate the scene, in a sense. We're trying to recreate the scene contextually. We want to understand what was the cultural setting, what was who is coming from, written to who, um, because from the proper interpretation, then we can understand how do we apply that to our time and to our life and to our culture. We start with them in their cultural setting, and then we apply to our lives. But when you're first trying to get a grip on the Bible itself, it can be awfully overwhelming. It can be like learning something brand new and maybe uncomfortable. I know I can be intimidated whenever I um, step foot into a conversation with people who are talking about something that they're experts in and that they're really into, like hunting or guns or something like that. And it's like, I have some interests, and so I might want to be involved in the conversation. You know, I aspire to be you know, able to maybe shoot, I can shoot a gun, but I don't own a gun, and, and, but, you know, I've thought about purchasing a shotgun, you know, and, and I, I, uh, I went and looked at some shotguns, and I, and I'm standing there at the, at the Bass Pro Shop with some friends, and the guy's asked, behind the counter, he's asking me questions about what do I want, what am I looking for? <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, great. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I'm like, can I hold it? How do I hold it? Where, where do I hold it? What do I, <laughs> is this, you know, like, is that, is that normal? I mean, now my friends, they helped me with some of the lingo because they're, you know, they own guns. And so, but, but whenever you're talking with people about something that they're really into or maybe they're experts of, uh, but you know very little about, you feel like you're swimming in a sea of concepts that you're just kind of unfamiliar. And, and you don't really understand. And I, I've been there in many, um, you know, situations. When it comes to the Bible, we can feel the same way. You start talking to people or interacting in circles or attending a group or attending a church, and you're like, I am so, I feel out of place. I don't understand the lingo. I don't, I don't get it. Here's a very funny clip from the comedian uh, Brian Regan that shows how we can get lost when trying to understand things that are brand new to us. And, and we'll apply that to uh, this morning's message. So take a look at this.
1: I don't know. I don't know enough things. That's why I hate going to parties, because everybody else seems to know stuff. (laughs) You know how you're supposed to mingle around. You ever walk up to a group at a party, and then you instantly find out they're talking about something that's way over your head? I never know what to do in that situation. I wish I knew how to say, I don't know what you're talking about. May I still stand here?
2: (laughs) I'm going to start doing
1: that. I was at a party and I walked up to these people, and they were talking about art. And I don't know anything about art, so of course I said, "Oh, I love art." Oh,
2: no. <laughs> no! No!
1: Well, what museums have you been to? I have to go home now. <laughs> I could not think of a single museum name, and I had just released I Love Art Like a Flock of Doves. (sighs) I don't know what to do. I'm standing there. And then I remembered I had read about a museum in France or something, so I figured I'm lying anyway. I might as well lie to get out of that first lie. There's nothing smarter than that technique. (laughs) I was like, well, I was in
2: Paris
1: at the La Uber.
2: <laughs>
1: Do you like Monet? I love Monet. In fact, I spent a lot of Monet when I was in
2: Paris. <laughs>
1: well, what's your favorite Cezanne? Winter. <laughs> Do you like Francis Bacon? I prefer Jimmy Dean pure pork sausage.
0: Uh, well, that, that may be how you feel with the Bible. You, just, you get around people who seem to have the whole thing figured out. They they, they understand the language, the setting, that, you know, they understand some of the words and their meanings. and They have some, oh, that's that's this word, and that, that means this, and you know, oh, that, 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 or maybe they've memorized parts of the Bible, and you get around them, and you just feel like, you don't want to say anything. You don't want to say the wrong thing. You don't want to put your foot in your mouth. So, with the Bible, it's important to just get started. You know, we all have to start somewhere, and so as with, anything in life, get started. The key to understanding scripture and interpreting it is to begin reading it for yourself. The important thing about um, reading scripture is the intake of, of scripture personally is something that you can do. We could never keep the pace of you have you're here possibly, you know, once a week or once every few weeks. And it's like the amount of scripture that is coming at you from this setting is not going to be enough for you to get the big picture of, of the Bible. It's not going to be enough for you on, on this thirty minute slot to get enough of, of how much there really is to get a hold of and to get a grip on. And so the the Bible was not given to uh, to people and just reserved to the scholars and the pastors and the Bible teachers. It's not meant to be this textbook that we just open up and we. Mm, that was really interesting what he said. And I take it in once in a while from someone else. But it's intended to be read. It's intended to be to to be, you know, drawn out of God wants to teach us some things. It's more than a textbook. It's more like a life book where God wants to help us with stress. He wants to help us with worry. He wants to help us when we're in trouble. You read through it and you find people that were stressed, worried, in trouble, out of resources, struggling with faith, struggling with belief, struggling with their roles. It, this is just... You open up the Scripture and you read people who you can begin to identify with and their struggles you can begin to say, I can understand that. But this is intended to be a life book. It only becomes that if we, if we actually start by reading it, by getting into it. It's critical that as we begin to read it then, God wants us to learn to accurately handle the Word. <clears throat> this is when, you, when you're talking about Bible interpretation, this is the issue. Learning to handle it accurately. Paul, he's writing this to, to Timothy. This is from 2 Timothy 2.15. Kind of the key verse that we want to really use to understand Bible interpretation. Paul writes this. This is to his younger apprentice, Timothy. Paul's writing from, um, from Rome. He's, about, he's awaiting his trial and eventual execution. And he's writing to this church leader as much as he can to help the person lead and to know what to focus their life on. So he says this. It says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed. Accurately handling the word of truth. Diligence is required. Paul is saying, look, you have to remain diligent. You have to be careful and you have to be diligent. You've got to get into it for yourself. It's possible if you'll get into the Bible for yourself, it's possible for you to understand what the Bible teaches. Um, it's, not, it's not that it's this simple book that, that I don't want to sell it as a simple book and a simple read. But if you will read it and you begin to become diligent in reading it and understanding it and digging into it, you can really understand what God is trying to communicate to us through this. It it helps to know what the topic is or or it helps to know what the overall big picture of the story of the Bible is. Like um, what to expect in a a sense. Like what's that 30,000 foot view? Um, Think about going to a movie and you're going to a trilogy but you don't realize you're in a trilogy. And so you pay your admission, you're watching this movie, and all of a sudden it just, you know, it ends and you're like... And there's people in there that know that it's, there's this bigger picture going on. There's, this, there's more to come. But you're like, I didn't read the book. I didn't know the, I didn't know the big picture. It can be really similar with the Bible. Especially if, if this is all you're getting is a once in a while someone else sharing some verses with you. Because what you'll get is only slices of this big picture. And so that it really does take a diligent um, effort and consistent effort of getting into scripture for yourself. You and I we need to we need to keep in mind the whole picture. Like what is God trying to communicate um, with the Bible? It's very easy to be thrown off with some of the types of literature that you read in the scripture, and you can interpret it uh, wrong because you're reading something, you know. You, you thought it was one type of literature. and In fact, it's a different kind of literature. Um, so what I want to do, and this is going to be somewhat different, is we're going to look at what are some principles for interpreting Scripture correctly. There's a little insert, and it's, it may look a little daunting, but it's, it's two-sided. It's in your bulletin. And it says, Principles for a Better Understanding of the Bible. And I want to walk you through this. So this is some of the uh, critical backdrop uh, principles that, that you need to understand about interpretation. This stuff is, is critical because, and as, as you walk through it, you're going to understand um, more of how the Bible even is, has, is put together. And so let, let's walk through this. Number one, the Bible is God's word, but he used human authors to write it. Okay, we looked at that last week. So it's important to understand the historical setting, who wrote it, why it was written. There's some study Bibles that are really helpful for this. There's there's a book I want to recommend to you. It is this, the Bare Bones Bible Handbook by Jim George. So, a brief 10 minute overview of each section, and each book of the Bible is in this um, helpful just study aid. And so, if you'll pick something like this up, this will help guide you as you're trying to work through the Bible itself. Um, but because there's there's an You know, God wrote through these. He worked through these different human authors. And and so it's important to understand who who was writing this, what was going on in their life. Why would they say this? Does this have anything to do with their culture, their people that they're writing to? What was going on in that period of, of history? Because understanding a lot of that will help us understand what's the right message from this ancient book. And that's what we're after. What's the, what's the right message we should be getting from this ancient book? Before we land on, what do I do with that? We have to understand what's the right message. So the first thing is just keeping in mind, this is, there's human authors God's writing through. Who is that human author? Who is he writing to? What was going on? Second thing is this. We need to ask for God's Spirit to give understanding. Without God's help, we're not able to grasp it. This is a spiritual book. And so we need God's help at our level in order to really understand this. A mentor of mine, he taught me this acronym: pray. And he said, to really get into the Bible, then th- he he used this as a guide: P R A Y. Pray, read, analyze, and yield. But before I begin to read, he would say, you know, pray. Spend some time praying, asking God to focus your thoughts, asking God to eliminate distractions, even giving those distractions to God in prayer, and just even saying, God, I, I really want to understand what what the Bible has to say. I really want to understand it. I want to be able to interpret this accurately. And so pray first and read. And he would suggest to me reading a passage a couple of times, two or three times, really trying to understand what's going on, analyze then, begin to get a real grip on the clarity issues of what, what's being said and why. And then, okay, now I'm beginning to think about how does that apply to me? What are those timeless, unchanging truths? And then I yield. That, that P-R-A-Y is a, acronym for even just a quiet time, a daily quiet time. If you use this and you work through, like let's say the book of John or the book of Acts or the book of Romans, those three books are a good place to start. John, Acts, Romans. Those are three New Testament books that lays out John, the life of Jesus, Acts, um, the life of the church, the early church, and just the acts of, of God's spirit working through the early church and the formation of Christianity. And then Romans is really the doctrine, the basic uh, doctrines of our faith, the, the core beliefs of our faith. But if you'll take John, Acts, and Romans and you'll work this acronym out daily, you're going to start seeing a picture, a larger picture of of the storyline of the Bible. Third thing is this. Next, we must understand its place in the progress of God's revelation to us, along with its makeup and the different kinds of literature it contains. Now, it's important to understand that God's revelation is progressive. What I mean by that is that the earlier parts of the Bible they get clarified and explained by the later parts of the Bible. It's not that the early portions of the Bible are less significant or smaller truths. It just means that God and his plan has revealed and given more clarity to the earlier parts through the later parts of the history of his interaction with his people. And so the later stuff gives a lot of clarifying information that then you, oh, that's why this makes sense back from this book early on very good way to grasp the overall I, you know, the flow of the Bible is to read this book, 30 Days to Understanding the Bible. So it, it can help you get a big-picture view of um, the Scripture. And it takes you about 15 minutes a day. It gives you a grasp of the overall flow of the Bible's content. And that might be something that you've never done. You don't feel like you have a real grip on the whole um, of the Bible. I would encourage you to pick this up. This will be a real help to you. Now, the Bible has two major divisions, okay? The first part of the Bible is known as the Old Testament, and um, it has 39. It's the larger part. So it goes up on my Bible. It's, it's, it's this large portion up top, and it's the first part. It's 39 different books. Um, again, God is the source, but he communicated through uh, close to 30 different authors. Um, the time span is, is covering is a 2,000-year period of history, Okay. And so you, in the Old Testament, you've got God's interaction with um, the Jewish people up to the time of, of Jesus Christ. That's all of the Old Testament creation up until Christ. And the New Testament there, you've got 27 different books, 10 different human authors or nine different human authors. Actually, uh, one girl came up after first sermon and said, who are the nine? You know, and so we kind of went through them all and and. There's nine different human authors that God used spanning a period of about a hundred years. And so you get Jesus His life, his ministry, you get the early church, the formation of the church through some of the early church leaders, and you get some um, and I want to show you some of the literature that you find between the two. So if you keep looking at this little study guide here, um, you'll see there's these different sections of the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, You begin to get this idea of progressive revelation where the earlier books, like the books of the law, which is the earliest books, you know, they give us a, this is Genesis through Deuteronomy. It's a compilation of God's laws and his commands given to Israel. Anytime you see the law, uh, it it tells you whether or not you're in compliance or not in compliance. Okay? When you become aware of a law or a boundary, it it guides, you know, it's kind of like, and it shows us if, if there's something wrong. Okay? So God's law was given so that we would understand how to handle life in a way that pleases God. And also, it just uncovers our own sins so that we would know we need God and His forgiveness. We need someone to save us. So it's, the law kind of functions as an x-ray. It shows us our need for forgiveness. It shows us that we fall short when it comes to total obedience. We can't pull that off. So it sets us up to, to ask the question of, I need someone's help. I need outside help to pull off this. The second part is the history books. This is a section from Joshua to Esther. It shows us what God has done, what God has said. You see his work through history. You see how God rules in history. And you see how he's working at his overarching purpose in these books. Uh, th- these are This section of the Bible is my favorite section of the Bible. There's battles. There's wars. I don't like... I just talk about guns. and Now I'm like into battles. and you, So now you're, you're thinking, wow, he's kind of a violent guy. But... <laughs> I just I really like the the battle scenes in the Bible. I like seeing God come through. I like seeing an army that is shaking and in fear and and they're up against some you know crazy odds. They're about to get defeated and then God comes through. I love seeing and reading about those times where God comes through through um, just people who kind of stuck their neck out there in order to advance God's kingdom and to trust him. And you see God protecting his people through these stories and through these through these books. I, I love reading the, st- the histories of the Old Testament. Um, then there's this poetry section where when you're reading poetry, it's important to remember you're reading poetry. So don't take everything so literally in poetry. Um, so what I like to do when I'm reading poetry, and there's a section called the wisdom books, is I like to, to read the history behind the poetry. So if I can figure out of the Psalms or of the, of the wisdom books, what's, what's the history going on in that period. If it was written by Solomon, I want to read about Solomon's life in the history books. Or I want to, not, not the history books, but from the Bible. I want to read through, uh, you know, David's life. I want to read through Solomon's life, 1st, 2nd Samuel, Chronicles. I want to read about the kings and, and learning about some of the people that God used to write these books. But when it comes to wisdom books, wisdom books from, from Job to Song of Solomon, they give you very practical insights into how to live your life. And for instance, the Psalms, they model the godly heart in every age. This is expressed through prayers, through songs. Sometimes you'll read the Psalms. Like right now, I'm reading through Psalms in my time with God. And uh, this morning when I was reading, I read this verse in Psalm 65. And it says, you make the going out of the morning and the evening to shout for joy. And in the version I was reading, it, it sounded an awful lot like a song that we sing about morning and evening you inspire songs of praise. There's some songs that we sing that I'm like, oh, that's from Psalm 65. And I made I drew that connection because I remembered some of the songs we sing. But this is, these are songs of praise. These are prayers. Um, these are cries for help and deliverance. They express, again, the godly heart when it comes to uh, kings and, and, and earthly kingdoms and, and health and life, and war, you just kind of see these things interacting in these books. But they're poetry, so you have to understand when I'm reading them, read them like poetry. You can't always take that all literally. Then there's this section called The Prophet, the Books of the Prophets from Isaiah to Malachi. These are messages delivered through spokesmen. Messages for God's people, and messages about clarifying what was going on in the present, also talking about what was going on in the future. Not just to God's people, but oftentimes to neighboring um, Uh, groups, to foreign nations. God would sometimes speak through his prophets. But what these books do is they show us God's unchanging thoughts. They they show us God's unchanging thoughts and his ways so that we can apply those to our current life situation. And in the prophets, you begin to see the patterns of human tendencies. You see God's responses. and, And as God corrects his people, we learn what's most important to him. As God corrects His people, we can say, I, "I want to stay away from that correction. I'd like to steer clear from that in my own life, so we can learn that from some of those books. In the New Testament, when you flip to the New Testament, you've got a few different sections there as well, two major sections, though, a historical section and the section of doctrine. But you've got you've got first the Gospels in the history section. you've got Gospels basically are from Matthew to John, the life of Jesus, His ministry. Now, again, this progressive revelation, these later books give more clarity to the early portions of Scripture. It's not that the early things weren't as important, but lights our, our, our lights start coming on. Oh, I see now how that connects to this early stuff. But in the Gospels, you get the biography of a life of Jesus. contains His words, His different acts. And then the next section is the book of Acts. It's, this is history showing how God worked through His Spirit to continue Jesus' work of His death and resurrection. He did that work through people who birthed you know, the movement of Christianity. God's Spirit did that through a group of people. And then after you get through that section of, of really the Gospels and the Acts, then you get to these um, doctrinal books. There's a book of prophecies, the very last book of the Bible. It's known as the book of Revelation. And it's a foretelling of future events. The last book of the Bible, it was not the last one to be written, but it was the last... Book And it it talks about the history, the future history of the whole world. And it was written by John, who was an eyewitness of Jesus, walked with Jesus, eyewitness of his resurrection. Uh, He also wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. He wrote the Gospel of John as well. But Revelation and 1st, 2nd and 3rd John were written um, around the same time. But this book was a vision God gave to him to communicate future events about the end of the world. Then there's this whole section in the New Testament known as the letters. And the letters were from, or are from the book of Romans to the book of Jude, and this is guidance from the apostles, the first, you know, the eyewitnesses who walked with Jesus and who led out in the church after Jesus was gone. These were the people giving guidance, or this is guidance for the church and for individuals on how to live um, and walk as a Christian amidst a hostile world deal with challenges, different things that they face. What you read in the letters are kind of like the author's footnotes. So with the letters, you get the kind of the author's footnotes on the Bible. It makes more sense of some of the early stuff the letters do. And it's not, again, it's not that the early things weren't that important, but these letters, you start getting more and more clarity. Now, what I'm really encouraging is to, as you understand how the, the, the literature there's different types of literature. This is really so that it would aid you as you're studying through parts of the Bible, that you think in terms of the bigger picture. So with that overview of the, of the literature, look at number four on the back of the sheet. It says, Scripture nowhere contradicts Scripture. Scripture nowhere contradicts Scripture. So, one passage explains another. We should always allow, this is very important, we should always allow the clear passages to explain the unclear passages. If you start reading the Bible... Uh, at some point, you're going to stumble upon an unclear passage. And you're going to be like, what does that mean? I don't get it. And you'll read the section, and you're still, I still don't get it. And you'll read the whole chapter, I still don't get it. You read the book, I don't get it. You'll ask a friend, and be like, I don't get it either. You might come and talk to me, and I, I don't get it either. And there's these unclear passages that the experts, the scholars, the Bible scholars, they have some good ideas they've got some some insights but there's some there's some passages that are still somewhat unclear from our human perspective and there's one in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 29 and in 1 Corinthians 15:29 you get this kind of a obscure reference to baptism for the dead and it's the only time that this is mentioned in the scripture paul he 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 writes and he makes this reference about the baptism for the dead. And Paul is not encouraging baptism for the dead. And nowhere else in the scripture is anyone encouraging baptism for the dead. But this was, the understanding was that some people would baptize them, they would be baptized for people that had already died in an effort to help them get saved. And so this is a good example of how scripture, the unclear passages of scripture, um, get you know, you want to work through the clear passages to gain more clarity. Um, so it's better to have clear passages on baptism and clear passages on salvation interpret the unclear passages or the unclear verses like that. Never vice versa. You never take the unclear passage. All of a sudden, you know, you have this understanding of baptism and then you read 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty nine, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm going to add that to my, my understanding now. And you keep forming new. No, you want to take the clear teaching, the whole clear teaching on any given subject and take all of that and then let that clarify the unclear. And the ones that you just, you're still like, that's still a little bit unclear. Uh, those are ones where you say, well, I, I dug in, I tried to understand, I still don't fully understand it. I've asked some people, I'm going to have to trust God with this, but I'm not going to let that establish a new doctrine for my life. I'm not going to start being the proponent for, for example, the baptism for the dead or, or anything like that. Now, false teachers and you know groups that that have twisted then this is where they pick up they pick up the unclear passages and they begin to shape doctrine for whole segments of uh, of, of churches and 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 um, groups that you know take people in the wrong direction so so be careful with that when it comes to unclear passages look at the next one each book contains unchanging truth about God, about people, right and wrong, applied to and illustrated by the circumstances in which the people and groups found themselves. So these these books, these individual books, were written by a person to a group of people or to an individual who were bound in a time setting in history. There was something going on. So it's important to understand the cultural context and the meaning of those words used in the time of their writing. Um, the ESV Study Bible is a really good Reference. So this book up on the screen. If you pick up something like this, you can begin to understand more the cultural context of the Bible. So as you're reading it, you can see because the top portion will be the scripture, the bottom will be some commentary section. Where for this Bible in particular, the ESV Study Bible, you'll get more of the cultural context behind it. Now the caution here is: don't start by reading your daily reading with the commentary. Don't just read the commentary and ignore the scripture. In fact, um, spend some time reading through the Scripture for yourself, trying to understand it, trying to draw out what is God saying to His people? What what was He saying to that person? How is He working through this situation? Draw out what it says. Wrestle with it. If you get to a point where you're a little bit stumped, you need some help, then you can begin to dive into the commentary and understand what they're suggesting. But be careful. Again, the caution is, don't start by just reading the commentary. We need to really learn how to discover the unchanging truth uh, of the scripture, for ourselves, the Bible, it sets the agenda for our lives. this sets the agenda for our church. we teach from the from the Bible. We don't get to determine what we want the Bible to teach we We get to teach what God has already determined as the priority. The final stage is this of interpretation. It's the final stage is to understand the Bible is to reapply these truths to our own life situations. Notice this is not the first stage. you don't God, what do you you know? We typically want, especially in our day and age, we want to approach it with, God, what do you, uh, you know, what do you want for me today? And, and it's OK to ask that question. But again, the initial goal is, God, what's your message? What was your message to them? Once we've gone through the work of understanding what he was saying to them, then, though, we do work towards application. God, what are you saying now? How is this still true? What, how should I apply this to my life? And before God will speak to us consistently, we have to be in a position where we're ready to yield. John 7, 17 talks about how it kind of requires a prior commitment to obey Jesus if He's going to turn on the lights for us. So, before you open up the pages of Scripture, set your heart to yield to Him for the things that He shows you. A good test on whether or not you've made Jesus the boss of your life is this. If you can say, you know, I will allow Jesus to change or God to change anything that he wants to change as he speaks to me through the Bible. I'll allow him to change anything, even to before you even open it up. God, if there's anything that you ask me to change, even before I read it, even before I get into it today, I'll change that. That's a good test on whether or not you've made Jesus the Lord of your life. If he's the Lord, then, then he, he's the boss. He speaks to us primarily, though, through his word, the Bible. So this is an overview of some of the broad principles to gain a better understanding of the Bible. Our clarity gets really cloudy whenever we violate these principles. When we start with ourselves first and thinking about only ourselves and not what was God saying to them, then we run into some problems when it comes to interpretation. One of the most common mistakes we can make when approaching the Bible is to read into the Bible from cultural categories. Here's 4 Just pull them up really quickly. One is psychology. You know, psychology can be very helpful. But the Bible has its own terms. The Bible has its own categories. Psychology offers all sorts of categories for understanding people. I would say go to the Bible first for your terms and categories. See how the Bible defines things as it describes problems that we face in our world. We need to let the Bible shape our perspective, not just psychology. Second, best business practice. You know, we love our jobs, and so we're consumed with the effort that we make at work. So what we do is we begin to filter everything through the lenses of the strategies that we use at work. Well, this works at work, so I'm sure it works at church. Well, that may not be the case. Another would be positive thinking, our upbringing. With all of these different categories, there's a real danger, is that we set us we set ourselves up to easily twist what the Scripture says to fit our framework. To ma- manipulate it to say what we want it to say in an effort to make the Bible line up with what we already think about life. Now there's a real danger there in doing that. So we need to avoid the danger of twisting the Scripture. This is not a new problem. This was a, this was a challenge. This was, this was a challenge for the earliest churches to protect God's Word and to protect what was really true. And there were false teachers that were propagating their own agendas and lies. And so, um, in the middle of this passage, you have the whole passage, um, 2 Peter 3, 15-18. But if you look at verse 16, right in the middle, Peter, he's writing to the church at large, and he says this about Paul's letters, okay? He's, he's saying this about Paul's letters, which would become much of the New Testament. He says, there are some things in them, speaking of Paul's letters, there are some things in them, that are hard to understand. Now, Peter's even saying, look, I, you know, he was probably identifying. I even have a hard time understanding them. There are some things that are hard to understand. But with the ignorant and the unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do other scriptures, Peter says it takes some thought. It takes some some work to grasp the meaning of some of Paul's difficult um you know, letters, because there are some sections that are difficult to understand. But just because it's difficult is not a license to twist it, to get it to say what we want it to say. That's what, that's what Peter is saying. He's, he's encouraging people to take, you know, a guard over these things. Don't take liberties to twist if you don't understand it. We, too, have to be diligent. We have to be careful when we're handling the Bible. And we, the, the goal is to draw out from the Bible what it actually teaches and avoid the temptation to read into the Bible the interpretations that we want it to say. So be careful. We all have big ideas. I know I do. We have these great big ideas that we that we tell people, this is my big idea in life. And then we stumble upon something similar to that in the Bible and we go, Aha, I found the support for my big idea finally. And I've had people say this to me. I've always thought this and they fill in the blank and then and now I've experienced this and but the but their big idea remains more important than what God has to say. And so draw out from the scripture what it actually says. Avoid reading into the scripture. Here's a final reminder. Since these are God's word, let's ask God's spirit to give us understanding. This is a prayer that Paul prayed for the Ephesian church. And he prayed this prayer that they would understand what, what God's revelation really was. And look, look at this prayer. It says, that, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you, he's praying this prayer, may give you, the Ephesian church, the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you, you know, the Ephesian church, may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might. Our prayer here at OCC is that you would grow in God's wisdom and that your hearts would be opened up to God's message, that you'd understand it, that you'd wrestle with it, you'd be diligent and careful to understand what it actually says. I want to invite Cody and our worship team to come back up and also our ushers to prepare to receive this morning's offering. And if you would take out that connection card on the back, you'll see there's some next steps. I want to suggest you might have something else that you... Feel like you need to apply this morning, but here's a few suggestions. One is memorize 2 Timothy two fifteen. That's the verse that talks about where Paul charges Timothy to accurately handle the word of truth. That's a good verse to memorize. And so this is that verse of accurately handling the word of truth is all about scripture interpretation. That's a verse about hold scripture highly, interpret it carefully, and rightly. Second next step is check out some of these resources mentioned today. I mentioned three. One was 30 Days to Understanding the Bible, uh, the Bare Bones Bible Handbook, and then the ESV Study Bible. All three real helpful resources and references to you. And then last, doesn't really connect to the message, but it connects to just this time of year for us as a church and just what God is doing in the world and how each year at Easter just opens up an opportunity for people to come and hear about His resurrection Him defeating death and sin so I want to encourage you to commit to invest in others who do not have a relationship with Jesus, and then invite them to OCC. Um, there's a card that you see here in your bulletin. It looks like a little business card, and it just says on the back, it says this next step, and it leaves you some lines to put some people's names down on. I want to encourage you. I've been praying for the last couple of weeks for some people, three different uh, groups of people in my life, and by name and I just, I've placed it in my car and I'm praying for people and um, I'm praying that I'd have opportunities to invest time in them. I pray for them. Now, they see the card, I'm just reminded, reminded to pray for these folks. Look for ways to love, to serve, have conversations, to listen. And as Easter's coming, I'll invite these people and I, I would encourage you to do the same. Identify some people. Um, I read something, an article recently that talked about how 90% of unchurched people who visit a church for the very first time go because a friend invited them. Now, I'm not talking about people who are churched already and have already heard and already have a relationship with Jesus and they want to change the scenery and so they might come here or or somewhere else. But this article was primarily about for those who do not have a relationship with Jesus, aren't churchgoers, 90% of those people go because a friend invited them. So I'd encourage you. This year we're putting our focus on personal invitations. We've done some events for Easter, but this year our our real hope is that you would invite people in your life that, that do not know the Lord personally and commit to invest in them. Invest we mean pray, love, serve, meet needs, listen, invite to different things and then at the right time invite. Next week we're going to be providing you an invite card and so you'll have an Easter invite card and Really encourage you to take that opportunity. So let, let's pray together. Father, thank you for thank you for this time. Thank you for just a time to look at some of the backdrop issues of handling the Bible.
1: That is something
0: that we desire to do as a church, and from a, a, a even from a leadership standpoint, Lord, we desire to handle the Scripture accurately. We want to not be ashamed. We don't want to set people up to build their lives in something that is that is. Uh, wrong. God, so help us to interpret it accurately and carefully. And then for all of us, Lord, as we seek to walk with you each day, Lord, help us to increase our time with you. Help us to increase our our time reading the scripture and and wrestling with it personally. Lord, I pray that some of the tools that we've shared this morning, that you would use these things to just increase the value of the Bible in in our lives and also just increase our level of understanding, Lord, so that we can live it out this culture and in this time. Thank you for this group. Thank you for what you're doing in all of our lives. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, bless and protect those that are here, Lord. For those that aren't here, Lord, we pray that you would stir in their hearts, Lord, the desire to continue to grow and connect with you. Use us as a congregation this Easter, Lord, to see more people come to know Jesus, Lord. For we believe he is the, the way, the truth, and the life. And that no one comes to the Father but through Him. So God, we thank you for these times. We've been able to share together. Bless the offering we're about to receive. Use it, God, to uh, advance your kingdom. In Jesus' name.